0: Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs. I am your host, Christy Haberman. I am glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of our community. A few disclaimers before we get started. I am a licensed therapist. However, this podcast is not to be considered mental health therapy or counseling. It is for entertainment purposes only and is not associated with my counseling practice, Christy Haberman Counseling Services. Thanks for showing up. Welcome to Grieving Insomniacs, episode 22. This is Christy Haberman, your host, and Kai. In the background, snoring away again. You'll hear her clinking around once in a while. So every week, I think about throughout the week, what am I going to talk about this week on the podcast? And most of the time, the inspiration from my podcast come from my own life. And I've often wondered if that is really the appropriate way to do this, or if I should be not basing my podcast about grief, about my own experiences. But then I remember that as a therapist, I have come to realize that we're more similar than we are apart. And chances are, if these are experiences I'm having, there's someone out there that's having a, not the same experience, but a similar experience. So today I'm going to talk about one, and it'll probably be one that we do over and over and over again, as how there's such a misunderstanding about grief and the loss of a child. And nothing frustrates me more when I get told that my grief is complicated uh, because I'm not over the death of my son. I actually was reviewing my medical chart the other day and it said that um, my um, depression is in mild remission. And I'm like, yeah, I, was, I wasn't depressed, I'm grieving. I, <laughs> I miss my son dearly. So one of my Um, secondary losses that have had the most impact on me is the loss of my health. Ever since my son died, I already had one autoimmune disorder before he died and my health has gotten progressively worse over the years, over the last 11 years. And I know it's the stress of losing someone and it's the stress of losing a child that's um, contributing to my health and everything that goes along with it. I have a stressful job. I mean, I know all of that plays into it. So currently in physical therapy, I'm in trouble with balance. So met the physical therapist for the first time. And so the physical therapist is doing her little interview. I mean, and no offense to her, she's maybe 25, 26 years old. I would say not much life experience. And I could tell that she was struggling with me a little bit because she said, well, how long has this been going on? And every time somebody asked me that, and it's the first time I tell you that my son died, I I burst into tears, so I started crying. And I said to her, you know, it's bad enough that my son died. But what's worse is the fact that how much my health has declined since my son died. So she she sits down and she goes, um, she goes, well, um," she tried to counsel me, basically. You know, so how do you sleep trying to assess me for depression? (laughs) I just looked at her and I said, I'm a therapist. So she starts telling me about how When people are traumatized, the vagus nerve is traumatized. I mean, and I appreciate all of this from her. And then she says, like she's a counselor, um, Do you have any hobbies? I just looked at her and I kind of started laughing. I said, Look, I'm a therapist. I've done EMDR, I've done the counseling. Uh, This is, this is, as good as I'm going to get. There's no getting, there's a, with this grief, there's no getting better. I'm just going to, this is just how it is. You ask me about um, my oldest child, I'm going to cry and that is okay. So she says to me, okay, so back to your hobbies. I said, I have a full-time job. I counsel grieving people at night. I have a couple of clients I still see at night and I said, I have a podcast about grief. And she stops and she looks at me and she goes, well, maybe you need to get away from it for a while. And those, he- <laughs> those words have just been vibrating through my head for the last two weeks of get away from it for a while. And I'm like, how do you think that's exactly gonna happen? I'm going to get away from it a while. I close my eyes and I go to sleep. I dream about Chris. I think about Chris. As I go throughout my day, there's always a part of my brain that is involved with talking about Chris or thinking about Chris. Or there's, and this is the critical point I'm trying to make on this podcast because if there is someone out there that is not, someone that has lost a child, this is the most critical point that you need to understand that there is no escaping the grief of losing a child. There is no escape. Because believe me, if I could escape, I would. And I suppose I could. I, you know, I know, I know there's women out there that struggle with drinking too much because they drink to forget or they do um, other things Possible other drugs to make them forget because they can't stand the thought that they have lost a child. But even then, when you come out of that, you're still facing the knowledge that you have lost a child. And I don't know how to communicate this more. I don't know if it's people that don't accept it. Like, and this lady just looks at me and I was just, I couldn't even continue the conversation with her because. And that's kind of why I laughed was, so you want me to put it down? This podcast has been the most singular healing thing that I have ever done. And if I remember right, Barbara Bush said that the way to overcome grief was to help someone else with their grief. And I have most certainly found that. Since I have started this podcast, since I started being more open about my grief, when I started getting real about my grief, is when that for the first time since Christopher died, I am feeling this sense of peace. Like this is what I was meant to do. And this is where my purpose is in life. So to have someone tell me to put it all down, put it all down, just walk away from it. Just highlights the misunderstanding that even our medical professionals have about grief. I mean, I think she really believed that, that you could just walk away from it, that you could just not do that. And I'm sure there's people out there that have that ability that they can compartmentalize, but also understand that means half of your brain you do not have access to. half of my brain, the brain involving Chris, which means all of my memories would be locked up in a way and not available to me. Because just because those memories make me sad doesn't mean that I shouldn't have them. It just means they make me sad. And being sad is part of the human emotion. And so what I wanted to say to her, and this is the analogy that I use a lot, and I'm gonna to continue to work with her, and it may be something that I will bring up later. So I want you to go want you to go home. For her, she's young, so she has to go home and she has to look around the table, and she has to pick one person that's not gonna be at that table anymore. And they're not allowed to speak about them. They're not allowed to think about them. They're not allowed to talk about them. And God forbid, if you do, you're going to be labeled crazy. You need to get over it. We need to give you some medication so you don't think about it. And how dare you be sad? Because that's what they're saying. Instead of realizing that missing our children is part of our life experience and it's one that we have to embrace. And I know that sounds kind of hard, especially if you're newly grieving, but you really have to embrace the fact that your life has been permanently changed by the loss of your child. And this is who you are now. And as I struggle with this, And i've thought about it ever since this lady said that to me what is really wrong with my life now i can't do as much as i used to do because of my health but that might have happened anyway i don't know that you can really count or say that that was chris i feel feel fulfilled by doing my podcast i feel fulfilled by working with other grieving moms. It gives my life purpose. So what if, what if that is my purpose in life? So you just give it up? Because this medical professional said, hey, I think you're spending too much time grieving. I think you need to focus on some other hobby. Like what? Scrapbooking? You know what scrapbooking would be like? Then I'd be going through all the old pictures, and it would be a rewarding process. I am not saying that. It would be a very rewarding process. But I'd be looking at pictures of CRISPR. How am I going to do that and have it not be a a part of me? And I think that's the biggest message that I want to send, at least today. My experience of my losing my child is a part of who I am. So if you're going to be in my life, if you're going to be my medical doctor, if you're going to be my therapist, my psychiatrist, whoever you are going to be, if you're going to be my friend, you need to understand that my experience of losing my son is a part of who I am. I am more compassionate because of it. I'm much more laid back because of it. I'm much more present in my current life. I'm much more satisfied with life because I had the greatest thing in my life taken away from me, is one of my children. I still have one child left that I dearly love. And I value him above all else. But having him does not diminish the fact that I miss my other child. And that's the other thing. i seen a comment somebody left saying that their son left and it was their favorite child. And this person's kind of shaming them because they said it was their favorite child. It's like this is not the time to have that conversation. Her child died. Newly died. Need to be welcoming. Because she didn't choose to become one of us. It's different if you go to AA or NA and you choose to become a part of that group. You go to these bonco clubs. You choose to become a part of that group. But we all didn't choose to become grieving mothers. We didn't say, hey, see that group over there? I want to join that group. How am I going to join that group? No, that is not. And that's why people keep us at a distance, too, because they don't want to join us. They don't want to admit that it is bad as it is. So in the old days, I would have felt bad about myself when this physical therapist said to me, well, you need to put it down for a while. I would have felt bad. I would have felt like there was something wrong with me. That how could I, you know, how could I possibly won't be one of those people that can't get over it? And now, I look at her and I feel sadness for her because there is going to come a time that she is going to lose someone and she's going to realize how wrong she was when she said that and the realization of that. Is going to hit her in a way that she will never understand. I don't know. I told her I have a podcast. Maybe she'll listen to the podcast. She'll hear me talking and she'll understand. But I doubt it. I think I really believe that when it comes to losing a child, that it's about experience. And it's an experience you don't wish on anyone else. You don't want anyone else to have to go through what we go through. But I do believe as professional, as professional medical people. They have a responsibility to attempt to understand this experience. And I call it an experience because there's a totality of me. There is not one part of my life that has not been affected by the loss of my child. I've been harmed physically. I've been harmed mentally, spiritually, economically career-wise like there's not one part of my life that has not been affected by the loss of my job my relationships um, my sense of identity all of it and as medical professionals i don't think they take the time because they deal with death all of the time you know they're right there you know, and I think they get somewhat of a God complex because, in some cases, like they can save people's lives. But I don't think they think about the consequences of it the consequences of what happens when you can't save a life. And I saw someone's post on Instagram about um, childhood cancer and how they use the terms fought hard. And I did not realize I felt this way until I read this post. They fought hard, they're a survivor, they must be really tough. As if somehow there was some characteristic that survivors of cancer have as opposed to the ones that died. Because my son died of cancer. And he didn't have a choice. I think there's a lot of people that die of cancer that don't have a choice. That if they had to choose differently, they would choose not to die. So I strongly identified with that post from that person that said, my child was a fighter too, but they aren't less than because they lost their battle. And I feel like that with Christopher too. He's not less than because he lost his battle. And I just, and for myself, I just get jealous. I watched these Van, van Life YouTubers, Eamon and Beck, and she had breast cancer, stage 3B cancer. Hers was breast cancer. Christopher was with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she survived her cancer and he did not. And I get jealous and I get angry. I can't watch anymore. Because I wanted him to survive too. But I'm not in control of that. Not in control of that at all. But I do know you know, after going to this physical therapist, and she's not any different than any other doctor I've gone to. It kind of give me the attitude of we need to get over it. It's not that bad. That they need to understand that their words are harmful and their attitudes are harmful. And that child loss is an experience, it's not an event. A lifelong experience and then it morphs and it changes and the way I was in the very very beginning is not how I am now and I see people that are in the very beginning of their grief and I recognize myself I recognize myself and my heart just feels pain for those people because I remember those days where you're frailing and you want to hit somebody and you just why me why me? I haven't answered my, oh well, I have answered my why me because him dying had nothing to do with me. But it took me years and years and years to get to that. So when this physical therapist says to me to just put it down for a while, like I can't. I just can't. And if you have the magic pill that can tell me, bottle that thing up and (laughs) give it to all of us that are struggling. Because I also know that my love for Christopher And my experience of losing him is not tied to the pain. I seen somebody put that on there. This that if I give up the pain, I give up my child. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that this concept of give up the pain. I just I just don't agree with that. We don't hold on to the pain because we love our children we love our children that have died and that is painful that they died there's no getting over that nothing you got to learn to cope with it you incorporate those losses into your life and you incorporate those memories and those rituals into your life to help you to help you survive till you meet them on the other side that's what you do and so that we have a lot of work to do as grieving mothers in our society on educating people that our grief is not complicated. There's nothing complicated about it. What's complicated is your ex- expectation that I'd be over it in your time frame, or that your expectation that that experience shouldn't affect me for the rest of my life and that I should somehow not make the rest of you uncomfortable. Because isn't that what it's about, really? Is that they're uncomfortable with our experiences. And I'm not even going to say it's pain, because I miss my son. I refuse to say that that's a character flaw. I absolutely refuse. I love my son, and the memories I have of him will always be twinged with sadness. But that doesn't make me less than. So if you're one of those people that are getting those messages from the people around you, I highly encourage you to hang on to who you are and hang on to what you know is true, which is, is that you loved your child and you love them greatly. And that experience of loving them and them dying and everything in between matters matters to me and matters to everyone else. It matters. And so when people tell you to get over it, like a physical therapist that told me to get over it or to put it down for a while, she did that because that made her feel comfortable. She did not do that for my comfort. Because my comfort would have been, tell me about it. Tell me why you find that podcast so fulfilling. Why do you find working with grieving parents and grieving other grieving other people? Why do you find that so um, life-affirming? It really is, for me, life-affirming. It is my purpose. And for you to tell me to lay it down because I made you uncomfortable because I cried because my son died. Or that... This physical body of mine is struggling with all the stress of losing a child. That's just what it is. And if I can accept that, they need to accept that. And she needs to accept that. That this is me in my totality. These are my experiences. My son mattered and I'm not putting him down, not putting my grief down because to not be a grieving mom is not who I am. I am Christy. I am a therapist. I am Christopher's mom. I am Colin's mom and I grieve my son and I miss him and it makes me sad and it's okay that I am sad. For so all of you out there that are listening to this podcast and you have people like this in your life that are telling you, put it down now. It's time to put it down now. I want you to remember who you are and what you experienced. And I want you to have a sense of pride about that because there are many people that cannot experience what we have experienced and come out on the other side. And I see you all out there putting out putting out Instagram stories. And I see you helping each other and supporting each other. And that's what we need. As grieving moms, that's what we need. And to me, it's life-infirming to see all of you do that. I appreciate each and every one of you. I honor each and every one of you. And always, this is Christy keeping it real about grief. Have a great week.